This episode is proudly brought to you by Gimme Stitches, a local creative business that transforms what you love into an adorable stitch piece of art. Gimme Stitches makes bespoke images of the people you love into detailed handcrafted portraits you can pop on your wall. You can choose anything. Pets and families. Kids. Enemies. <laughs> Perfect. These beautifully handmade pieces are by the phenomenally talented Tilly and Greg, who are dedicated to bringing the old art of hand stitching back into your home. Good Sheila's listeners get 15% off bespoke hand stitched family portraits, pet portraits, enemy portraits, or our beloved Courtney Stodden <laughs> by entering Good Sheila's at checkout. What would you get a portrait of, Claire? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Gibby Stitches on Instagram and get amongst it. Fun fact about Braun. Ooh. Last year she competed in a CrossFit competition. Yeah. Because that's what cool kids do <laughs> with an actual audience. Yeah, there were heaps. Yeah. People. She trained hard to get there and felt strong and in control. However, during the skipping part, oh. she was reminded about how weak and out of control a certain part of her body was since been giving birth and she peed and peed and peed her pants. Oh, so <laughs> much. Like a whole like a whole wee mate. <laughs> A whole way, and I was wearing lime green <laughs> leggings. <like> CrossFit. <laughs> I didn't regret it. <laughs> it was so bad, though. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sheila's the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the gut. So strap yourselves in mongrels and get ready for Good Sheila's. <gasps> oh, here we go again. Hello. We're back. Yes, how are you, Claire? I just had this awful moment where I thought we weren't recording. I was like, great, we have to do the whole thing again. I wouldn't have done it. I would I'm have gone go straight home. home. I'm home. Claire, we're at your home. I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to leave here. We are back, but for how long? Claire and I are just outside the Melbourne Hotspur, 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 Hotspurs. What porn are you watching? Oh, yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> I hate coming to our house. But we are. We're seriously just outside the hotspots. We are. Coburg and Brunswick are like, they're threatening to shut us down any minute. And we, I'm waiting for it. Yeah, mate. Any minute now. And like everyone around us is shut down. Kids at the school that we, our kids go to have being tested positive it is getting <laughs> real very fucking intense yeah. okay our kids have all been tested yeah they have yeah i've been tested it's a journey all nego nego which is very which is really really great but melbourne honestly you've fucked it yeah fucking shut up stay so, home melbourne you stay the fuck home because no one invited you anywhere we're drinking cask wine yeah that is cask, good because we're successful women and in other good news 
Kristen Bell and Jenny Slate resigned from playing black characters in the cartoon, which was really welcome change because last week we talked about what white people can do to help BLM, right? Yep. And what they cannot do, which is be a dick. B-I-D. I-D. B-I-Dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drinking cask wine. So for some context... When I arrived tonight at Claire's house to record this podcast, I walked in at 20 minutes past 8 p.m. at the night time and Claire was fast asleep on the couch um, and I was like, great, the podcast is finished. It's cancelled. We're just going to pull this whole thing. And if you're interested <laughs> to see how she got out of that slumber, I urge you to go to our Instagram page where you will see how she remedied that tiredness. Just to just provide context, I never intend on a romantic relationship again in my life. So <laughs> open mouth sleeping with dribble pouring out and then following up with a taster of cask wine. Like, who cares? I don't care. Yeah, I cared. So <laughs> <laughs> don't do that again. But this week we are talking about something in the news and we are talking about something that has happened to us in real life. And what is happening in the news at the moment, Claire? Oh, Mate, in totally unsurprising news, a massive male-dominated institution with unfettered power has created an environment where a male leader sexually harassed vulnerable young workers. Oh, that is true. Justin <laughs> Dyson Hayden. Justice Dyson Hayden. Justin. I was, uh, Justice, not Justin. That is a cool name. Is Justice. That? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Justin, the Justice Dyson Hayden. Justice Dyson Hayden, a former High Court judge and Order of Australia recipient, was found by an independent inquiry to have sexually harassed six young women, women associates with unwanted sexual touching and predatory behaviour. Predictably, Ugh. he's come out and denied it, saying his behaviour was inadvertent and unintended. Everyone is horrified by the notion that this could happen at the highest court in Australia. We say, duh. Duh. <laughs> of course it happens here. This is totally typical of any institution that worships people at the top and makes hyper-competitive environment for junior staff where they're vulnerable to the whims of leaders. So, Brian, how many times have you been sexually harassed in a workplace? <laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 well. So, um, in my last place of work, which was uh, as a teacher, I was in. It's a female-dominated workforce, so never like I was uh, by students. Sure, and in my first year of teaching, um, I my year I had a class of year eights, and I found out very late in the year that my nickname with them was called Miss Melons. Oh. Fuck me. And my last name's Lewis, so what didn't even rhyme. <laughs> Miss Melons Lewis, be creative. I know. Yeah. Well, I was a, wasn't a good teacher. <laughs> exactly. Poetry was not a strong exactly. point. Rhymes. <laughs> Do you guys know what rhymes with Lewis? It's melons. <laughs> and also, one time I worked in this classroom, and this was my first year of teaching, uh, in this like in like the pits of the suburbs of Melbourne, I um, remember teaching in this classroom, which was it was called the fishbowl. So all of the um, all of the classroom walls were windows, and they'd go into another classroom. I actually don't know what the theory is behind You've that. You've never been fucked. in a school, have you? I have been in a fishbowl, Claire. <laughs> so what's your problem? 
But I remember being in this classroom and teaching these kids and being like super excited about this because my first year of teaching and I had this really thorough plan, the class plan. And then I looked at the class next to me and there were three year 10 boys who were like pretending that they had boobs and like wobbling their fake boobs around. And I knew that it was about me because as soon as I looked at them, they like sat right straight down and like turned away. But it was never a colleague. So even though I felt completely violated, it wasn't it wasn't the same as a superior doing it to but me. But even then, did you feel empowered to speak up or tell the leaders? Yes, yeah, so I did. I did. I spoke to the teacher of those kids and I said, oh, this is what's happening, please, can you stop it? And he was wonderfully supportive he was like that is sexual harassment even though I didn't think it was at the time because I was what like 25 yeah I was 12 years old (laughs) I was like 23 or something like that so little and I was like please like the and these kids were like I don't know like six years younger than me I was like please can you make these and they were like taller than me like they were broader than me uh they were these they look like men to me but with less money (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like please can you and the teacher at the time that in that classroom was wonderfully supportive and he was like this is not okay that is sexual harassment I'm gonna put an end to it and I was like oh my god and then I felt terrified Mm. because I was scared that people were gonna call me a liar and then a female teacher who was much older than me came over to me and said one of these boys who I'm very good friends with their parents has come has come to me and told me that you've accused him of of sexual harassment and I was like oh my god no I haven't done that I've just said this is what I've noticed I don't know if they were doing it to me which in hindsight I definitely know it was about me can and I've asked I've spoken to the teacher and I haven't put in an official complaint and I was terrified and she said I think you need to reassess what you wear to school (gasps) She did not. She yeah. did not outfit shame you. Oh my god, of course oh, she did. And I was not wearing out. sexy stuff. I see what you wear to school. You, you wear I like, look really conservative. <laughs> no, I mean, like you're careful. Not that I think that any woman in any workplace should be thinking about what she wears in the context of how people respond to it, but you dress conservatively. Yeah. I don't every wear day. I would never, ever, ever ever like yeah. have a cleavage showing your this is horrible. string commu- communities <laughs> i only wet my pants for crossfit claire exactly. you know me but i like but i remember feeling at fault of that oh. i remember feeling like these poor boys yeah. they're only children they should not see any curves but and then i felt like i should have worn a sack that really problematic idea that like male sexuality is this like un- unrestrained thing that yeah. like they can't control and that they can't you know that they can't mitigate and that they just see a breast or a hip or a bum and they're just like wild animals yeah that's so fucking look it's a different like it's a tricky thing they, they were kids they were young boys and like i, I i'm not saying that I thought that she was going to be on my side. And honestly, the bloke was on my side. It wasn't. But the woman was not on my but side. But she wasn't on their side either because this, this reinforces for them this idea that they are at the whim of their sexual impulses, right? Mm. Which, is, which is fundamentally untrue. They have control over them just like anybody has control over them. And it strips away their autonomy, my, my, making them just like animals that are responding mm. to, you know, sexual stimuli. Yeah. Idiot. That's not fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and a boy came. Uh, one of those boys ended up coming up and saying sorry, but I ended up saying sorry to him as well, oh. and I couldn't I couldn't figure out why I was saying sorry. And now as a as a grown boobs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was Miss Melons, oh but I, now as like a fifty five year old woman, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I would not, I would not put up with that. But it took me a really no. long time to realize that that was not my fault. It's not your fault. But it wasn't necessarily their fault either. But it was something that needed to be taught to them, and yeah. it wasn't taught to them. It was scared into them, and it wasn't the right way. Anyway, when have you, as and you have lived through a lot as a young and vulnerable lawyer, have you experienced sexual harassment in the workplace? Oh, mate, like. Working as a waitress aside, which was a quagmire of Oh, wasn't it? Oh yeah, wasn't God. it? Oh. And you had to accept it. I was a waitress for a really long time. Yeah. Was, we had to accept it. It was part of the job. It was, it was part, part of, of the, the job. job. It was just what you tolerated. Uh. Because you had to because you were, that $10 an hour is really important if you need to pay rent. Yeah. You just fucking tolerate it because what option do you have in a disposable workforce? But as a young lawyer where... Like, particularly as a paralegal where the profession is so stratified and you have to work so hard to get ahead. Oh, my God. So many situations where senior lawyers would be leer, make comments about what I was wearing, compare me to other women in the workplace, talk to me about how how hot other women in the workplace were. That's disgusting. That was really common. Like, you'd have a chat with somebody and be like, did you see so-and-so, what they're wearing today? Like, I... Blah blah blah. What? And it was it's just normal. It was everyday conversation. Oh, that's bizarre. And barristers, like particularly as a, a paralegal and a junior lawyer, barristers were just lecherous because there was that power dynamic. They, they should be in barristers of themselves. <laughs> they should. <laughs> they should. They fucking be. should, mate. That is rank. <laughs> what? But where, so when does it stop for them? Never. Well, like it, the like thing. like I understand. So that. My, the excuse that I have for the people who were like objectified me is they were the 15 or 16 yeah. year old boys. And then, but for you, the excuse you have for them is they have never been given They've a boundary. They've never been checked. And this is why this thing in the High Court is so deeply unsurprising. You have. So tell me about what's happened in the High Court, Claire. Okay, great. So this guy, so the High Court judge is like the apex of a legal career, right? You, you, it's like the mother of a household. It's like the queen of the fucking world. It is like. Queen, queen Elizabeth. It's Queen Elizabeth, but Australia and in the court. It's like. <laughs> I won't talk about the Constitution because Brum will. Please don't. I'll die. I'll move out. She will move out. I'm moved in. She will sleep. Everything. (laughs) But it is a really important, like it's a limb of our government. It's a limb of our democracy. And uh, in the legal system, we it is it is the apex. There's no going beyond it. The high court is the highest point of our legal system, and they only appoint a certain number of justices every year. And it is a glorified position that very few people have gotten to. So they have unfettered power and respect and worship. There is this weird worship of high court judges, which is commensurate to their success and their expertise and their strength and their intelligence, but also makes people who work in those workplaces fucking vulnerable, right? Mm. And so every year... Little tiny baby law students, they finish their their degrees and they all try to be associates, right? 
So an associate, for listeners who might not know, is somebody who sits underneath a job and helps them with like legal research and writing their decisions and doing admin. And you can be an associate for a magistrate at the magistrate's court, which is like a lower court, all the way to the high court. High court is like apex, right? You are the best of the best if you've made it as an associate at the high court. You are one of the best students. but It's like being a backup dancer to Beyonce. It is like being... The backup, yeah, and not just Destiny's Child, right? You've got Beyonce. You're yeah. not fucking dancing for Michelle. Who is that? <laughs> I know what you mean. Keep going. Thank you. <laughs> she is a child of Destiny. <laughs> you did it. I Keep did going. it. I did it. She said so You it. worked your guts out to get there, and you're a young woman, which all, all already puts you at a place of disadvantage, and you get to the highest court of the land of fucking Canberra, which is a whole other topic of shit show. And then you are at the bottom, the absolute bottom, and you are disposable. There are literally thousands of your other young lawyers and paralegals behind you vying for exactly the spot that you have and you have to do the best you fucking can to do to just get a reputation and build you know build your connections there of course of course in that system of power and privilege people took advantage of it this is how predators ascend and it's not it's it's in every workplace right it's in every workplace where we value these, uh, you know, these these anointed leaders, and we worship the the high the highest rungs of it. Yeah, of you don't want to be the squeaky, annoying femo no. wheel, and See? everyone everyone yeah. hates the femo wheel, and everyone will be everyone will roll their eyes at the squeaky femo wheel, and it's like you can't say that, and then eventually they know like i can't say that but you will not they will not let you uh, like they will not let you get the next promotion no they'll be like okay cool femo wheel silent and complicit and you know that your next promotion will rely on being silent and complicit so fucking justice hayden dyson is marching around fondling young women and he knows that no one's gonna fucking stop him and it's not and this is the important thing this is not just men letting him get away with it. This is women saying to other women, you can't dress like that. Yeah. So it does not, so this ascends, like this, uh, this transcends age. This is young people. This is old people. This is, and it also transcends gender as well. It does. It is not, it's not men just doing the wrong thing. It's women doing the wrong thing. And this is. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to check you on that. It's mostly men doing the wrong thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. I understand that, but it's patriarchy. Yeah, it is patriarchy. It's patriarchy allowing people to behave in a certain way. So it's the patriarchy mm. who tell women to treat other women that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I that's totally what it's not. That. Great. They're, thanks they're thanks for finally supporting me <laughs> in fucking something. <laughs> I fucking hate you. I'm going to go back to watching Better Stagliato being asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I should never have woken you. But is this only in the domestic like world or just like the common workplace? Oh, so it's funny about that because in law and in Hollywood and in segues <laughs> and in our podcast and after some cask wine, a woman reaches a certain age and she undertakes a shift from one. It happens at around 30. She's no longer the nubile, sexy young lead. She's her mum. Oh, unless you're Jennifer Lawrence in the film Joy, where she played a mother in her mid-30s when in real life Jennifer was only 24. So why did she get this part? 
It's because who the heck would ever want to see a film about a woman with children in her mid-30s? Unless you made her a young, super hot babe. Uh, yeah, and on the data, the dive from centre stage to somewhere off screen, folding the washing, hits later for men in entertainment. It also leads to some ridiculous age gaps between parent and pretend child. For example, in Mean Girls, the hilarious Amy Poehler oh, yes. was 33 <laughs> and she was only nine years older than Rachel Adams, who was the Mean Girl antagonist when she played her mum. Yeah, she was the fun mum. She was the fun. She was the cool but She was us. She was all... <laughs> she was oh, fun because she was only nine when yeah. she had her... <laughs> And in Rocketman, the 2019 Elton John biopic, where Bryce Dallas Howard played the mum of Taron Egerton, while he was only 28 and she was only 37. So she was a tiny nine-year-old child bride turned into Hollywood actress. What a trajectory, Claire. (laughs) And the age gap between the love interests shows a similar trend. A shitty thing happens in Hollywood. As male actors get older, their female co-stars stay the same age. Male film stars are often cast as romantic leads well into their 50s and 60s, while their female counterparts rarely get main roles, and especially not romantic leads, no. after the age of 40. Oh, so while Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise and Liam Neeson continue the, to lead films as the desirable man, we're seeing the guys, these guys paired with much, much younger actri- actresses like Amber Heard Emily Blunt and January Jones. Those same men used to star in films with Nona Ryder, Renee Zellweger and Jessica Lange, women who are roughly their age but are obviously past their use-by age as the desirable woman. This has been happening for years. Looking back in the 1997 film As Good As It Gets, Romance unfolds between Jack Nicholson, who was 60 at the time, and Helen Hunt, who was only 34. That's our age. That's our age. I'm 33. That's a 26-year age age gap. And worse, in the 1999 film Entrapment, the leading couple was played by Sean Connery, who at the time was 69. That's your age. Exactly. And Catherine Jones... Zeta Jones, who was only 30. That's my age. That was a 39-year age difference. Okay, 39-year age difference. That's that is older huge. older than average. That's huge. And when we put a parenting lens on this, the pattern remains well and truly in the bloke's corner. Older men can always, always get away with playing the dad of very young kids. For example, on the weekend, I watched a movie with my kids. It was uh, Christopher Robin. It's like Winnie the Pooh thing with Ewan McGregor. It was super cute. But Ewan McGregor was 48 at the time and his screen wife was 36. What does it mean to transition from young women to the mum role? It carries an invisibility. You automatically become the side character not a focal point. You exist to support someone, do the invisible labour and stay quiet. It's been around the literary world for ages. Virginia Woolf wrote about Mrs Dalloway, an ageing woman who had the oddest sense of being herself invisible, unseen, unknown. She has lost all social relevance. She was a mum. (laughs) 
The wonderful Helen Garner has written extensively about this invisibility, from being ignored in cafes to becoming redundant to advertisers. She writes that beyond a certain age, women become invisible in public spaces. The famous erotic gaze is withdrawn. You are no longer, in the eyes of the world, a sexual being. Now we have social space for a certain kind of mum. The hot mum who looks like she's never had kids. That requires an insane amount of maintenance, commitment and luck, you Mm. guys. Even then, there's very little time for this kind of woman. Hot mum is young. Yep. Once you reach a certain age, you're done for. And and being a young mum means you probably made a sacrifice somewhere else, right? Researchers and psychologists write that becoming a mother is an identity shift and one of the most significant physical and psychological changes a woman will ever experience. What was that like for you, bro? Hot mum? Hot mum. <laughs> Definitely not hot. No, no. Look, look I, like I, became, I became a mum young. So did you, though. Yeah, we, we were young. We were young when we had babies. And, like, I didn't realise how young I was when I became a mum until... Olive started school mm. and what I have noticed at like the school gates or school like, like end of term parties is a lot of mums <laughs> um, and I hate this is when they're surprised at how young I am. <laughs> I know yeah. that's the bit right when you're like are you only that age you're like you can't tell from my skin or my you face can, exactly like, oh, I thought you were 47. <laughs> I caught it <laughs> like your acne tells me you're 13 but like your wrinkles <laughs> tell me you're 50. I cannot tell. I'm like, suck. Fucking rude, Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you all. But it is, so it it has been, it has been tricky, but I also, I, I, I'm, I've been navigating this world blindly for mm-hmm. ages. And I, I think one of the reasons why it's been super blind is because I, I became a mum younger than I thought I was going to be. Mm. I became a mum when I was 27 and so did you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So both 27 became mums, so the diversity in this chat is going to be second to none. (laughs) We're all about different voices. We're both very white and very 27. (laughs) You should stop listening to us and listen to actual people. (laughs) What are we doing? Exactly. It's cancelled. This whole thing is cancelled. We say we're only more goon. But... (laughs) <laughs> There's actually two liters. I've got two liters of goon. Why is my glass empty? I'm so sorry. But we do look. I I I recognize. I recognize that I came into this and super lucky as well. Like I wasn't scared. I wasn't whatever because I just I didn't Have know what I was doing. Have you ever been scared in your life? Never. You're magnificent. So we had um. So we had we had Olive super 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 earlier than we thought we were going to and then that all that all kind of like you know turned into a child and now she's this six-year-old who has heaps of attitude I'm just trying to navigate and then I'm alongside women who um you know often a little bit older than me and then I'm trying to like navigate that with them but at the same time trying to navigate who I am as a you know who, who I am as an individual who I am as a woman who I am as a mother mm. like there's so many masks I have to like try and like fit to my face every single day it's like am I a teacher am I a comedian am I a mother am I am gonna I... get COVID-19 <laughs> yeah, I know seriously <laughs> we need to wear masks 
<laughs> but there is, but it, so it is confusing. It, 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 it's very confusing, right? Like, yeah. What have you felt about? I before a I mom? talk about me, I want to unpack you a bit more because there was a bit after you had Edie where I think you needed to really. Bronya just poured um, the last bit of going on her tongue, so we're gonna go into that place where Bron doesn't enjoy her feelings. I have dun, no feelings. Dun, dun, dun. Just try, um, <laughs> try and get a feeling out I of me, Claire. Get it? I'll do it. This is a commitment. <laughs> it's great. I'm gonna get my tweezers. <laughs> um, so after you had Edie, you threw. We we talked about CrossFit. We talked about it before. You threw yourself into CrossFit got super trim you got make eye contact with me look in my eyes with your eyes good girl you got super trim you got super fit you got super confused hot super confused but super hot yeah but you felt because of how you looked you were like like again i'm going to talk about objective objective socially normative terms great you were objectively super hot yeah Um, did that make you feel like you were succeeding as a mum oh yeah but a very in a very shallow level like i i knew that i was not where i wanted to be i knew i was not in a great place i think anyone at that time during my um like extreme fitness Mm. time knew that i wasn't in a good place because I wasn't myself. Like, anyone who knew me was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, it didn't fit me. And also, it, all new people who knew me were like, sorry, you have kids? Like, it didn't, mm. nothing fit. Like, nowhere did it fit. You woke up at 4.30 every morning to go to CrossFit. Yeah. Fail. Sometimes you went twice a day. Yeah, I did. And yeah. it was, and I think the ultimate compliment that people thought they could give me was, I can't believe you've got kids. Yeah. Or two kids. Yeah. And that was not a compliment. But it was to you at that time, though. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was because I felt like I earned those kids. Like, mm. I felt like I'd done all. It's like someone, it's like you running a marathon and someone mm. saying, you don't look like I've you've ever run before. Those. Yeah, Claire, you've done fuck all. But it's like it's like as if you pretended like you did, and you painted your face really red and sweaty, and yeah. someone saying, "You've never run at all." Exactly. And it's like, no, no, no. I actually have. It's chicken fat. I have I've been eating a or, chicken with my face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good for you, babe. But it's that thing. But it or the so people would people would say it as compliment, or other mums would come over and say it less like complimentary and rather quite like aggressively yeah, like or scathingly because they like, don't like it's an attack it's yeah, an attack to because look like to look that. to look like super fit and yeah. super ripped means you've given up something yeah and i had and there was one i remember one post and again we always talk about things that we've never talked about on the podcast guys insight to our friendship hello telescopes telescope periscope <laughs> what are you talking about hello, oh no i'm so nervous <laughs> it's okay there was a post that you did on instagram and it was like you were sitting in the backyard of like when a Brunswick house before you bought the your, your house and you were you were wearing a crop top and leggings and like you were sitting <laughs> at the back with your kids and your stomach was like a washboard it was like you had fucking abs and your baby was like Edie was like eight months old she was so she was younger than that she was so little and your caption was like a joke but I remember looking at it going why like your face why? wasn't even in it why? it was just your washboard abs and your perfect body and I was like why because I why had never looked that? like I had never looked yeah. like that I'd never had a tummy like that like I grew up a bit chubby yeah I was always a chubby girl and then I uh, after Edie I 
like I discovered anxiety and you felt and like then, you won right and that and that was like a it was like the worst prize ever yeah. and I was like is this what skinny feels like because mm. it's actually not that good eh and the compliments were really backhanded really? And it, yeah well because it's like People oh you don't jealous, look like you right? have, well I don't know if they're jealous I think like, that I think they are like I'm, I, don't I remember they're... being no no they're je- I remember jealous I definitely remember being jealous because I, I never felt like anyone was jealous of oh, me mate, they, I they feel they like people were judging were. me they well, I think I think that's the thing. Like we're taught as women to look at other women and compete with other women, and when the epitome of particularly motherhood is not looking like a mum, and you see like a really fit, hot young woman who has children, and you don't look like that, like I definitely felt jealous. I looked at you, and you just looked so fit and like firm, and I was not that. And I, I, my God, I was super jealous. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel the envy so much. I felt judgment because I, I was at the gym a lot. Like I felt people, mm. like people thought I needed to be home more, which probably, in fairness, I should have been. But why? Because, because I was focusing on something that wasn't what were important. And and honestly, at this point in time, because that was so far in my, mm. it's so far in the past for me. That was like what years ago now? Yeah. Two years ago, three years ago. I more see... it is it is almost five. I don't know who that 12 is. Five years ago. Yeah, and so she. We're forty-five. <laughs> <What a> surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so Edie is yeah. Like I, I think that, that like looking back at that time, I can't even recognize yeah. me. I can't recognize that part of me. But I do remember when people said things like, "I can't, re- I can't remember." I can't imagine you being a mum mm. and that that didn't feel good and none of the compliments and I but I also remember which was this really confusing time hoping that I didn't look like a mum yeah. or hoping that people would see me with a kid and being like wow that doesn't really make sense yeah. but when someone said you don't look like a mum being furious about that this is the paradox this is a confusing point of being a woman where you're like i want to be a mum but i don't want to look like a mum yeah exactly i want all the benefits of having lovely children i really enjoy and also but i don't want to look like i ever made them yeah i don't want to i don't want to frump out you know and this is why frumpy ladies will never be the love interest in these movies (sighs) that we're talking about this is why the blokes will always 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 be okay. Why with... can they be the frumpy lady? They will never be them. And they're allowed to be the frumpy lady. Like fucking Seth Rogen. <sighs> Seth Rogen is the ultimate frumpy lady. And he's a love interest <laughs> in so many movies. I'm not so many. Why but you're right. You're right. What about Knocked Up? Knocked exactly. Up? Catherine he gets, Hegel? Exactly. Like yeah. he gets to be, there's so many, he gets to be the fucking love interest of Charlize Theron. Except it doesn't matter what he looks like. He gets to be the sum of his intellectual capabilities. And when he gets older he will also be that exactly and older and older and older and i was looking as i was researching this today and like the older people like this film that we study in english it's called rear window grace kelly was 25 mm. and the bloke that she was uh, was her love interest fuck i can't remember his name but everyone was mad about him he was like 45 or something like that it was self Rogan. <laughs> but it, i can't remember his name now right now but he was like every, but the like everyone talks about that film and talks about that guy the old man who was in a wheelchair with a broken leg the entire time and she was this 
gorgeous. Uh, Grace Kelly was absolutely stunning. It was one of the last films she ever did in Hollywood. She would flit around his apartment and just like the entire film was about him, her trying to win his love, which would have spoken to generations of women. It was like, you have to be beautiful. You have to be Grace Kelly. You have to be 20 years younger than him. You have to be this. You have to be that. And to blokes, it was like, you have to find a woman who is much more much more aesthetically pleasing than you and much more like um uh not desirable but like uh desiring yeah you know yeah. like who wants you more because in that in that film grace kelly is mad about this old bloke and he couldn't give a fuck about her and so this kind of like dynamic has kind of infiltrated hollywood for generations it's just the undying kind of dynamic right and it's 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 instilled in our lives like i have always fought in this weird way not weird actually it's so normal that it's boring to be hot like to be seen as the hot one and that has been like from when i was a teenager to when i've been a parent and only now like in lockdown when i'm almost 34 with two children have i started to let go of that And it's like, you know, growing out my leg hairs and just like submitting to aging. And it like even like that even articulating that just is is there's something shameful about it. Like I I, I had a moment before I peeled off my tights and I showed you my leg hairs. It's phenomenal. It is it is it is it is how I am, right? It is how my body grows. I must say alter it. But that 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 is a radical act or even interesting or even different the idea that i should be waking up and shaving my legs even though i live by myself with my children with nobody else to see me in the middle of winter like that that's troubling like it's why why should it matter and like and i wake up in the morning to take the dog for a walk or you know to to do whatever with my kids who are my kids i don't care but like grace kelly Kelly, it's my kids it's me whatever hi seth (laughs) (laughs) but like i wake up and like i look in the mirror i'm like i should put on some mascara and and i have that moment where i look in the mirror i'm like oh wow okay hi that's me that's my face that's me my face high face and I'm like oh god yeah but like I I I crave that acceptance which comes from just being at peace with that and just it is fucking shitty that we have to transition to the invisible mum and it's really the invisibility is the issue right like that that we lose relevance that we lose context that we lose kind of commercial viability and interest but what we should celebrate is everything that comes with it, which is, a, is a, it's a comfort with our body. It's a comfort with our being. Yeah. And with, with the way that we are and who we are and how we interact with the world. And I want to cling on to that, but also make it relevant. It's important. We're a market, right? Advertisers, hi. We're a market. Me and my yeah. hairy legs are a market. Yeah. Claire has money. She has a job. And many hairs. And, and many legs. And all of those hairs need a pair of pants. <laughs> exactly. Many pants for many years. <laughs> and which is really which is really super, super interesting how like we are told to give birth and yeah. then and by a certain age. Mm-hmm. Like hurry up and give birth. Oh, Don't let your eggs age out. Don't be a crazy lady who's old and have the babies. And so we're like fuck. And then we had babies super young. And then the commentary after that was God, you had babies super young. And we're like okay, cool. And then after that it was like fuck. 
you're too young to let yourself go. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. Okay. All right, cool. Maintain, and maintain. Then, so we just like kept like doing things. I don't know if I went to the gym for any other reasons apart from to lose weight. I, I don't know. I actually have less control over what I know I think than what I think. Does that make sense? Like I fascinating, and let's unpack that. No, so no, no, no. I finished. Brian, you, no, you don't get to say that. I'm going that. home. Okay, bye. No, so let's talk about that. When you went to the gym, did you have a clear no. na- narrative in your head about why? No, no way. I had such mixed things. I was like, I'm going to the gym because I need to. I need to get healthy, and then that like. Within that second, it was like, I'm going to the gym to, like, have some space away from my kids. And the next second was, I'm going away to to the gym because I deserve this. Mm. Like, it was – there's so many excuses – and the, the end result is to be smaller. Yeah, exactly. I remember that time, that period where you were going, when Edie was really little, where you, there was one day where you go twice a day. You go to the 6 a.m. class and then you go to the evening class. Yeah, and my poor partner, like, he, would, he hated the gym oh, so mate, much. I no, don't... no, no. I do feel sorry for him because he hated it so much. And, re- and I resented him at the time because I was like, why does he hate my fitness? And also, he was worried about me because it was unhealthy. He was worried about you. you yeah, that's, anyway. That's the key bit. But that that aside, like I, I but you were the, the the interesting thing is that you were so proud of your body. Like I don't think you'd ever sent me so many selfies of like yourself in bikinis, yourself in undies, because you like you had been re- like you had f- achieved that goal, right? Yeah, I never. Goal. My body had never looked like that. And you looked like I mean, again, objectively, like I'm just talking about like I'm talking about social social standard, like of of what beauty is, and I want to really frame that the way. But you looked. You looked incredible. You had washboard abs. You were like a t- you teeny tiny, like you you were just like yeah. every part of you looks, was just solid. Like it was just. Yeah. It didn't look anything like, and maybe that's the reason why I was taking photos because it, it didn't it didn't look real, because it did it that you is were not proud how. Of that. Like you I don't proud. know if I was I was I think I was quite mesmerized by it. Yeah. I don't know if it's proud is the right word, but I was mesmerized because you're amazed that you that could be your body. Yeah, because I was like, is this what I've been waiting for? Yeah. Is this it? Is this it? And the only other person who I thought would probably understand it would have been you. And because you also grew up as a, t- a chubby teenager in the exact same years that I did. And then you had kids the same time as I did. And I was like, holy shit, Claire, have I? I did it. Have I fucking made <laughs> I it? I fucking made it. Is this it? Is if I, is it, is it, what am I? Am I amazing? <laughs> and you were like, whoa, that, you are tiny. You were tiny. And, like, I think about the time in my, so I also had a time in, like, after Stevie was born. Yeah, I was tiny. Very trim. I got really trim. I think I, I got appendicitis, which was massive help. Thanks, mate. Didn't need that organ. No. Definitely need, like, that was a real benefit. I got real skinny. And I, I, I also took more selfies than I've ever took in my life. I was, like, taking photos of myself at every angle. I think I probably sent lots to friends because I was I was proud of how tiny my body was. It was like a win, right? I don't it was know if you're proud. I think you're mesmerized. I think proud mm. is a weird word to put on it. Well, I think it's because proud has a has a weight, right? And has an impetus. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't. I would not say. Because we're not say, allowed to be proud of our bodies. No, we're not. But I also when I say pr- when I say proud of that, it means I'm not proud now. And I'm no, no, very proud we're now. We're not proud now. I'm not proud looking back. No, no, no. no yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Because I like I'm proud of my body now. Yeah. Because I have gr- I have come to accept it mm. as being 
it is what it is. And yeah. it will get bigger and smaller. Same as like my older sister Amy. Hey, bae. <laughs> Amy and I, Amy and I, we like our weight fluctuates enormously we've got a younger sister rosie who stays stick thin the entire time you're a gazelle yeah she she stays like 48 kilos every day of her life forever and ever and ever not that that matters no it doesn't matter (laughs) but what i'm saying is like this is context you know like amy and i have um we have grown up like from when we were like 10 or 11 like fluctuating in weight we it is super easy for us to put on weight and it's super easy for us to to lose weight but it's really hard for us to maintain weight so we were we're constantly changing we're like the weather or oprah and (laughs) so so when something so when it all is like looking like we're supposed to look you know like the magazines and like everyone saying this is exactly what you and, and people throwing compliments what they think what they perceive as compliments as I can't believe you've got kids. Yeah. At us. And we go, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yep, 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 yep. And Amy's had four kids and she has had those compliments thrown at her. And she has held on to them, I'm sure, just like I have. But then when it changes, like my body has changed, Amy's body's changed into whatever they have been now to less, like, tiny. It's like, well, is this less good? Yeah. And is this, am I less valuable than yeah. what I was when I was tiny? You shrink and you increase in value socially. But then there's a point, I think, where it doesn't matter anymore because you're too old to matter anyway. And that's that's that horrible kind of fight that we all have against legitimacy and relevance. And we have people in our lives who are older, like in their, 50, in their 50s and 60s, who are still fighting that for that relevance and no one's watching and it's funny because we talk about them and we are quite pity them and a scathing of them but it's because no one's watching but really they're doing exactly the same things we have done and we are doing in monitoring their bodies and worrying about their bodies and thinking that shrinking is a value it's just that we give them less legitimacy because they're older and we don't see them as kind and they're of, invisible yeah exactly they're invisible hello helen garner but i think a really valuable thing that you and i have both been doing like during this podcast and across the last year is putting up fucking unflattering photos of i have ourselves. never done that <laughs> you're the hot one it's fine oh come on i have definitely done it but we have both put photos on the internet for perpetuity of us looking a bit fucking shit and not always is it easy like even like sometimes i know that you hate when i put up a photo and you're like that is not a good one and i know that you hate it and then we might change it or you might you might take a minute to be like okay fine just leave it (laughs) and then and, and it isn't a good one and the same thing would happen for me like i'm like fuck that is horrific. Like the one you put up where I look like Shrek and I'm like, oh. Which one? The, the, just the black and white sketch one. Oh, like yeah, we both filter. look terrific. We both look we terrific. Both look horrific. Oh, horrific. I'm not sure <laughs> what angle you want. But anyway, but that one, that one like took the wind out of me. I was like, fuck, we can't put that up. Like people I know will see that I look like Shrek oh, in like black the and white. Like the we put up tonight with me sleeping with my mouth you look open. Beautiful. I if look anyone, beautiful. if anyone is not following us on Instagram, please do. Claire is very lazy and sleeps at eight twenty at night. <laughs> I don't have a job. But we will close up t- tonight. We are. Uh, 
good shearers. We're good shearers. And today we've talked about power structures in workplaces and we've unpacked the transition to motherhood and what it's meant in Hollywood and what it's meant for us. We have navigated some really interesting and challenging changes in our lives and right now we are coming to terms with being the mum. But fucking more power to us, mate. Mm. We are old and we are bold. Yeah. So for those who identify as women, we say tell the world to go fuck themselves and figure out exactly where you feel comfortable and ignore what compliments are because sometimes they're exactly what you don't need. Exactly. Sometimes they tell you exactly what you don't want to feel like, which is not a mum. Exactly. And also for those who identify as males, think about the compliments that you throw out there and think about how you make the women in your life feel. And to Claire, can you just wake up? Because this is a conversation that has needed to happen for a long time. Nights and nights and nights and nights. And also, one one more closing thing. I think that we have identified that there's too much focus on our physical selves, right? Yeah. There's so much loveliness in our relationships and our children and everything that we encounter. And we need to take time to step out from our physical selves and just be like, hey, that's a fucking beautiful leaf. That's a fucking beautiful child I made. And this is a fucking beautiful glass of goon. That is right. <laughs> Hallelujah, girl. We've been, been good shielders. Good night, guys.